You're listening to Not Another Origin Story, the comic book movie podcast. I'm your host, Pogues, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ben Chapman. Pogues, it's fantastic to be here. I am so excited to talk about the next movie, Cancel the Podcast. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to do something more constructive. And I, 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 I have some thoughts on this Tom Hardy movie. Sorry, I'm just a little scatterbrained right now. I'm just... Anything's better than this. Uh, I just... Uh, I, I just wanted to, to open up the 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 field and just talk about criticism of this film, you know. Mm-hmm. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you ha- have you been symbioted with something? <laughs> is that the right word? I feel like it is now. <laughs> I think it might be. Uh, in the same way that this film, Venom, starring Tom Hardy, twenty eighteen was a symbiote of four or five ill-formed ideas. <laughs> was what I can only assume a bunch of reshoots and some rewrites. Because... Yeah, it, it, se- it seems they were able to write a film that acted as, as, as its own parasite uh, of my free time. It is shocking. Uh, when I got done watching this, I tried to really think back, and I was like, all right, what was the plot? Like, What was like the through thread of the movie? Like, What was happening? And it occurred to me, there isn't one. There's no, like, story development at all. The plot is, aliens are bad. No, this alien's good. Let's kill the bad alien. Movie over. But it's not even, like, that. It's a very confusing film. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you think, you think a film that you could describe correctly in one sentence would be shorter. Yeah, it's very long, and at one point in the movie, we're told, like, that the aliens were trying to find another species so that they can come and kill them all, because, you know, they... Which, this this was something that really got me. They're called symbiotes, not parasites. A parasite kills its host. A symbiote lives on its host, and the two of them live together. So, yes, but these only kill. So right from the start, we are introduced to things that are not the things that they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be symbiotes. They're not. They appear to just suck the life out of the beans they're in. Except for for Tom Hardy, uh, Eddie Brock, who somehow they're linked and he only kind of kills him, I guess. Because he eats a guy's head, it's okay. I couldn't really figure that line out. And then abruptly, well, that's... Venom goes from being a bad guy to being like, you know what, I want to save Earth, but apropos the... of zero. The tonal shifts are outlandish in this movie because it pitches itself as some kind of like gory um, uh, violence fest. But it really isn't because every fight scene with the uh, Venom is uh, right at right at like dusk. In an yes. area where the lights were turned off, <laughs> every single fight, it is permanent night through the entire film. Watching and the one scene, they were like, at the end, he was like, you bit that guy's head off. And I was like, wait, what? I had to rewind it. And you really can't even tell yeah. what happens. There, There's almost no gore for a movie where the main character and the villain have giant biting mouths and knives for hands. Like, they stab people straight up, but there is still no blood. And I'm not saying that... that I'm not saying that I'm desperate for gore, but it seems like that's what you're pitching, right? Like, if you're going to have a gore film, then just well, do it. I think the problem with this movie is uh, is that it it's not any type of movie. Mm-hmm. Like, at one point, it seems like it could be a interesting sort of, like, psychological horror film about a guy who gets this thing, and it talks to him, and he has to try to deal with it, and... It's monstrous. You're like, oh, that could be interesting. Not really the movie. Uh, at one point, it's a buddy cop film, but where neither person is a cop or humorous. Uh, <laughs> like, And then one part is uh, a message about how billionaires are always evil, question mark. And then I, I really couldn't figure out most of this movie. No, you, you have it right. Um, there isn't... 
like a, a three act structure here, and I think I harp on this too much, but it, once again, it rears its ugly fucking well, symbiote I mean, it's, head. It's, it's literally the the basic of storytelling <laughs> is three acts for a movie. There, this isn't like we're asking them to have like done something. Like this movie doesn't follow uh, what, what's his name Campbell's uh, hero's journey perfectly. Is that I don't know. Yeah, but you know what I mean, it's like we're asking for just a movie no. that starts with a beginning, a middle, and an end. This movie has nothing just an end. Right. I because my characters don't change and the ones uh, and the ones that we spend time with often don't have anything to begin with because like his girlfriend she is apparently a lawyer. That's the, that's the information we get. I mm-hmm. I'm Anne. I am lawyer. End of description. She yeah, she, she has works no... for this guy who appears to if I understood a line of dialogue later in the film have cured cancer created multiple like drugs to prolong life and help uh like i think they say alzheimer's patients that he did when he was like 19 so we set this guy up is you're like oh this guy's done a lot of good but instantly they're like he's a worthless piece of shit and i'm like well then maybe you shouldn't have made his accomplishments all altruistic nice things like they they start off like building this guy and instantly every scene he's in after that interview he's just the world's biggest prick and you're just like well, why did you give him any redeemable characteristics because there's no moral dilemma in the movie you just introduce this guy he's like he cured cancer also he's basically i think space hitler uh yeah so there's there's a big problem right up top uh which we we can go ahead and get into it sequentially um, the number one issue that you're going to experience with Venom is that someone told one of the nine writers of this movie that Venom uh, or Eddie Brock is a journalist. And they all said, uh, I think I kind of know what a journalist is. Yes, he appears to be a internet journalist. Like doing a show it, that he films, but know. it's on a news network whose name is he never looks- stated. He looks like he it looks like he works for like Vice. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, a Vice yeah. It looks like, I mean, it's like like a a station, like a thing that would exist only via like an internet presence. But he appears to work for like a news network, like CNN or something. Right. But then, but he, but he's given his own platform. Like he's not just a guy on MSNBC, right? Like it's it's the Eddie Brock show. He's yes. like. Uh, he's like a Bill O'Reilly character where it's like the the show and him have become a synonymous level of like yes, fame. He's a quote unquote investigative journalist, which is like the, that was the part of this movie which you know it's, aliens it's, from space. I'm with at one point post- his news agency says they won't put a story on unless he has facts, and I was like, what news station is this? Yeah. <laughs> but more importantly, they established this concept. That he is this hard-hitting journalist, which gives you the impression that he must be an intelligent, clever, and, uh, you know, uh, 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 aware person who's going to catch things, put together complex ideas. No, he is, he acts like he is a drunk gas station attendant for the entire film. Like, I don't understand what they thought he was supposed to be. His, like, introduction is being a prick to a security guard who he's supposed to be friends with. Because he pike, he parks his bike, like, on the se- sidewalk and then comes in. The guy's like, you can't park there. He's like, yeah, oh, man, that's great. Your daughter got into school. And he's like, you can't park. And he just walks off. And I don't understand when this became a thing in movies to be like, we'll show a guy's cool and interesting by having him be just a fucking asshole. It's like, I don't want to, I don't like this guy. I don't like people who are dicks to, like, a guy who's just trying to get by being a security guard. <laughs> like... At least have him be a dick to somebody who deserves it. It's so weird. And then they try to be like, he's an investigative journalist. I'm like, who's an asshole to like the everyman? But all of his pieces seem to be about like going after big companies or something. it's just such a weird turn. Well, right away we get everything we need to know. They show you a montage of Eddie Brock riding his motorcycle as some sort of evidence of the hard hitting journalism. You get a brief montage where he's like in standing in front of like a crime scene and making wild accusations mm-hmm. about what happened. And then we get a scene where he's like uh, being told by his editor, you have to go interview basically uh, Elon Musk, a guy who owns like a, a, a space company and like a bunch of other companies and who's like richer than he, he deserves to be. And uh, he's like, okay, I don't like him very much though. We'll do it anyway. Okay. 
And then his his when he's at home with his girlfriend, who is a lawyer for a firm that represents said Elon Musk character, uh, he sees some sort of reference to the fact that there have been some deaths of testing uh, during human testing trials. Mm-hmm. All he has are three names. He goes to <laughs> test the the Tesla company guys. Yes, you know, company walks up to him, asks him one softball question, then it was like, "What about these names?" and <laughs> he has no additional evidence, no yes. follow-up, no no sources, no substantiating information, and no plan for when the guy's like, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> and also, like, what I thought was this guy wasn't immediately like, they died during a drug trial. Like, I hate to tell you they, this, they, that's how they all They signed drugs, contracts. Yeah, like, that's how all <laughs> drugs get tested. They eventually have to be given to people, and sometimes it doesn't work, and it's a, it's a sad turn of events, but... Like, I was like, wait. It's not a gotcha it's not, moment. It's not the people, he's not finding out about the, the people who are dying being attached to aliens. He right. appears to he's have not... gotten an email sent to a lawyer, because they're just picking up homeless people for the, the symbiote thing. These other people are like volunteers who probably have the disease they're trying to cure, and are terminal, and they agree to be part of a test. And she gets a letter to say, hey, these people passed away, you know, there could be, you know, like legal recourse or whatever. And he goes to, and I was like, wait. And this is his only thing that he goes after the guy for. So he doesn't Talk. like this guy for what reason before this? Because all we know about him is he owns a drug company that cured cancer. And then he used those proceeds to build spaceships. Yeah, because like, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to do with proceeds you make from a drug. But I can't like he doesn't seem to do. The only reason we know he's a bad guy is because we see him killing homeless people. Right, but nobody Bro- else Brock, knows that. Brock does not go into this investigation a with any input or any apparent preconceived notion of whether he's good or bad. He says he doesn't like him and he thinks he's bad, but again, we're not giving any reason to trust it. So right away, the huge, the biggest problem here is our protagonist is established to be a clever journalist, and then it immediately demonstrates being neither. Then he's fired from being a journalist by his company. Then is suddenly unable to be employed. Which yeah, is yes, this guy has somehow gotten him like blackballed. So you're like, oh, that's how we know he's supposed to be extra evil. And at this point, I feel like they're trying so hard to like run home that this guy's evil that nothing he does for the rest of the movie is surprising or interesting because I already get like you've made him. I get it. He's supposed to be the worst person alive. So when he's like, oh, we're gonna kill homeless people, you're not like, <gasps> you're just like, okay. Yeah, I guess that tracks for this guy because he's like a cartoon villain at this point. Like, So I, I couldn't figure out their need to just make him so cartoonishly evil from Jump. Like, he's introduced, and again, the only reason you know he's a bad guy is because the movie tells you he is. And then that you see yeah. him killing these people. But, like, Brock doesn't learn this. Like, it would have been way better if he broke into the lab before the interview because he had heard that homeless people were going missing. And uh, yes, there was and some he, sort and, of connection and, that they think was going on to an illegal drug test. And he, right. breaks and in an oppor- and he tracks it down. And an opportunity for him to be like, uh, to, to showcase his talent where he might, you know, use, use people he knows, talk, talk his way in, like talk to a source and get a key card. You know, something, something that demonstrates that he has got the chops. Um, it's because e- you either have to go that way or, and this is the way they should have gone if they're going to keep the Brock that we see on film. He needs to be not a frontline journalist. He needs to be like a like like a like a war photographer or something. Yeah, you know like, what I mean? like the actual Eddie Brock. He's just a photographer. He's not a journalist. He's just right. A someone who's like not that I'm bad mouthing photographers, but you know, no right. Someone who's brave and tough and like a daredevil because that's that's what we do with these war photographers in like movies, right? They're always like a badass in a leather jacket because they're ready to like run into the gunfire and take pictures. You know, that is the Brock that we're given in this movie, and that would have been a total lineup. But instead, we're told that he's like this incredibly intelligent like case breaking journalist and then for the rest of the movie he jumps into fish tanks and like looks around going oh boy i don't like this very much and it's 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 he he shows up into a plant where he's told people are being killed via some sort of experiment sees a girl he knows and tries to break her out of like a hermetically sealed room for all he knows she has like some horrible communicable disease that they're testing and he's just unleashing it he makes the worst choices every second like in this movie, and I was just like, oh, this guy is not smart enough to have ever been an investigative journalist. 
And he still seems to have a really nice apartment in New York City for a guy who appears to have not worked for three years or something. I don't know how long it's been. Six months, I guess. I guess it wasn't that long. But, you know, it's just, I, I don't know. The movie, it's just nothing to it, I guess, is the problem. Yeah, because uh, there are some other talented people in this film that we are introduced to in the beginning. Um, I mean, the guy who plays, the, the actor who plays... Carlton Drake, the main villain, isn't a bad actor. I think I recognize him for something. Everybody's um, fine. Right. I, I love Jenny Slate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was she kind of disappointed she agreed to be in this. <laughs> she's phenomenal. Oh, yeah. The, the, the main villains from uh, Rogue One and from uh, Nightcrawler. Um, uh, here's the one thing I will say about Jenny Slate's character. Her name is Dr. Skirth. But every time Drake sa- said it, it sounded like he was saying Dr. Skirth. I did not yeah. like that. The first time he said it, I was like, did he just call that woman Dr. Skirt in front of a bunch of children? And then I real I looked up her character name and I was like, oh, they need to work on that pronunciation. So uh but 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 the most characterization we get is from Eddie Brock, and as you can tell from the last five minutes, it's not good. Because now we have another problem, because the rest of the movie is empty. We have got um we have got his girlfriend, which again, sole description, lawyer slash lawyer comma concerned that's Mm -hmm. it whole whole character the main villain uh evil comma hates humanity which is like a plot they try to like yeah edge in at the end where he's like yeah i'm so smart i'm so smart i'm done with humanity i now want these sort of like he again i guess the idea is he doesn't know that the symbiotes are going to come back and kill everyone which again still doesn't make really great sense for what they're playing well one of them does specifically say that and he says, I can get you there with a spaceship. I think he just says, we need to go back. There's more of us. And he says, okay. I think Venom's the only one who tells that tells Eddie Brock that they're actually going to come and kill all life on Earth. Which doesn't make sense, because then they'll be stuck on an oxygen-rich planet that they can't live on, and then they'll die. Yeah. Without, which leads us to- without bodies to live in. So again, very confusing plot. Which, which leads us to another issue, which is that the symbiotes could have a problem, which is regarding food. And this movie is obsessed with food. I don't know what this movie's thing is. From the very beginning, Eddie Brock says that he's hungry all the time while the symbiote's attached to him, which yes, is fine. But, but he can't eat anything until later in the movie, at the end, it's implied the symbiote can just eat whatever. But in the beginning of the movie, he keeps throwing up because he's eating cooked meat. Right. He, he eats, like, tater tots and, like... Uh, like yeah, like, like like cooked meat at some point out of the garbage for some reason, and he eats a bunch of different bunch of things. And at the beginning, it's like it's like a vampire eating regular food. Like you know, it suddenly yeah, like, it makes him up. sick. It's not his source of like energy. And an impl- and then at some point, he's at the restaurant having his breakdown, and he grabs some food and takes a bite out of it and says, "That's dead." And so I'm like, oh, he has to eat living things, I guess. Yes, which is. Really hard to do, because once you bite into them, they usually don't live anymore. <laughs> so, right, so the, the, the boundary there is confusing, but by the end of the movie, that no longer becomes the case. Yes, in which case, he even says, we're going to go get something to eat. What do you want tonight? And he says, uh, tater, tater tots, tots and, chocolate. and chocolate. So yeah, can he eat regular I mean, food now? Admittedly, I get it. Uh, uh, symbiote sounds pretty good to me, but it, I don't understand, because it, it's like a driving force at the beginning, where he's like, He's a man on the street going wild. Yes, and that's what keeps killing all the, the people that, that, that have the symbiote attached to them. The people who are able to, like, it, it links to them, and it's like a good match or whatever, is the symbiote eats their body and kills them. Again, not what symbiote means. We spend, like, 20 minutes with uh, a, a different test subject in the lab that they have a successful merge, but then... Uh, it starts to decay, and they're like, we, we keep feeding it like a nutrient-rich whatever, indicating that they're also giving it like you know cooked or non-living. They, they're food. saying they're giving it a liquid diet of all the like nutrients a person needs to live. So I guess that's what's missing. But then again, once again, the movie does not ever take us down a road where where this is you know this is this is like the the course that eddie has to take where he has to like yeah. do the vampire thing and make and make the grim choice to eat a person and then even an evil person it never happens and the movie sets up that he has the symbiote in him for what like at tops a week and that's being generous i think it's like three days but let's say it's a full week he has this thing in him we are told that he's about to die his heart is atrophying 
which you really need a heart to live. Really bad, yeah. Uh, the symbiote is eating his body, his his liver, and his kidneys. So he's going to die from that, which is what ends up killing the, the, the patient in the thing is he gets liver failure, and uh, he dies. So this thing's killing Eddie, and then at the end of the movie, it's just like, we're pals. And it's like, isn't this thing still eating him from the inside? Because and I, like because he says he can't eat a dead thing. The only thing he's had to eat is a person's head, which is not alive. Like that's a I'm dead gonna, thing. I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with what I'm saying about about the uh, about the, uh, the the vampire thing. That's what's interesting about a vampire movie. A person has been blessed with an, an immense amount of power, but at the cost of that power is the lack of humanity that they have to indulge in to keep it going. As in, I have to feed off of humans. What do I do? If your if your if your morals are you know are, are not established, then you just go feed. If they're firm, then you have to find a way to like dexter it and like kill the the baddest people you can find. You know what I mean? Like that's interesting. And the the, the movie suggests that that's coming. And then says, "Never mind. Let's just have him eat tater tots because that might make me—that might be funny for Tom Hardy to do, right?" Yeah. And then I was like, and then at the end, he eats that guy, and I was like, which, "Oh!" And which, by, which, by the way, I think that might be this entire movie's premise. Is wouldn't that be funny if Tom Hardy did this? Wouldn't it be funny if he got into a lobster tank for no reason? Wouldn't it be funny if he like killed the guy and then went and said like. I don't like killing guys. Like, wouldn't that be funny? And uh, here's here's the pitch. It it often is not. In fact, I would say predominantly it's not. It's not. Not that Tom Hardy does a bad job. I think he's trying. I guess. I, but, yeah, I, I but just the, don't know what he's trying. Because it yeah, it's just no one so has weird. direction. Like I said, it's like a weird buddy cop movie, in which like there's two jokes, and one of them is like one of the worst jokes you can do in a movie, and it's in so many movies where like. A person's like, do this, and they're like, no, and then they get called a pussy. And I was like, man, this is such like a '90s joke that I can't believe someone snuck it into a movie and was like, people are still, you know, folks, because it's just you like make the laziest excellent... joke you could make. You make an excellent point, and uh, by saying it's a '90s joke that was uh, pretty lame, and I think I, I think I finally figured out what was confusing me about this movie. Is this just the mask? Yeah, it's a really shitty version of the mask, which is. But, really saying something because as you recall because wasn't that great the plot of the mask is that the main character is a downtrodden individual who Mm -hmm. suddenly is granted this power that completely shapes his personality and gives him the power to infect some kind of retribution against people that have you know uh put him down it's comical in the mask it's violent here but and then the main plot, which doesn't re- there isn't really a strong through thread, other than that there's a main villain who learns of said power and harnesses it for himself for a final showdown. Which again, which movie am I currently describing, Pogues? You may not know which, <laughs> because this is the mask. Yeah. And except except at no point do they attempt to be funny. Well, no, they attempt in what they think is is funny. I, I, I don't think there was one joke in this movie where I was like, haha. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even get, like, a, a smile during this movie to be like, that was clever. And it's really weird, because if you're going to do a movie where, like, one person can hear a voice and nobody else can, you're like, okay, this has potential for some jokes. And for some reason, Venom is like... And I, like, at one point, he's like, well, where I'm from, I'm a loser too. And I was like, wait, I don't think that's Venom's backstory. I don't remember the Venom symbiote being a loser. I think he's actually like kind of not a dick on his home world, but I can't remember because I really checked out. I, I would also like words. I would also like to see the social structure of symbiotes back on his world that constitutes his failure to be cool. Yes. Like what makes a symbiote a loser? Because <laughs> it, I guess in our society, generally that would assume someone who uh, lacks any kind of accomplishment, social connection or general value from the day-to-day lives, right? Someone, so that, that, that would be what you might assume a loser might be. It varies from person to person, but are symbiotes going out and uh, forming corporations? Like, are they getting jobs? Can you well, live in your symbiote mother's basement? Like, how can you be a loser? That's what happens is, you know, when you go to the symbiote club, you can't pick up on other symbiotes. <laughs> and I got to tell you, their clubs very bad because they can't turn the volume up at all (laughs) it's mostly smell it's just like (laughs) 
It's like listening to Sandstorm at like Decibel Two. Uh, yeah, that, and that's like when I when they brought that up, I was like, wait, what? What is going on? Because I I don't I, you know I know a little bit about Venom's backstory before it was retconned, and I know a little of it after it was retconned. And I was like, I don't think that's Venom's backstory. Well, here's here's another core issue with the film is that if we talk about this as an origin story film, it's a pretty gigantic failure because what you want out of an origin story film is to obviously establish the stakes and the parameters of your of your villain or your hero. Um, we don't get that, as I said earlier, because we're told a bunch of things about the uh, nature of his weaknesses, and we kind of get that I guess loud noise uh, and you know and fire. Uh, but also apparently there's like a vague eating thing that's again, never, never locked down. Um, and then we're supposed to get an idea of, uh, an imminent future threat and of, you know, the possibility of this character having come to some sort of like arc. And we don't get those other things other than a really bad post credit sequence, which we'll talk about later. But, um, I have to ask is as this origin story is unfolding right around the time that the general idea has landed, which is that Eddie Brock is merged with a symbiote. He cannot voluntarily, you know, distance himself from the creature and the creature needs him. So the two of them are in some sort of, you know, relationship where they have to make choices together. Right. That's been established. The villain knows Eddie has the symbiote and he's working on a solution of his own to have his own symbiote. That's all in the works. When that groundwork is laid down, which again was far too deep into the movie, in my opinion, um, when that's laid down, I just wrote a note down because I realized I don't think this movie has a surprise for me. I don't think this movie is going to have any moments where nope. I am going to be shocked, stunned, or confused. And no, I was right. You you could literally in the first like five minutes of the movie be like, okay, cool. Eddie's going to end up with Venom because I know who Venom is. And obviously Tom Hardy's the good guy. Uh, other guy's going to get another symbiote. They're going to have a fight uh, because, you know, Brock's going to turn out to be a good guy. Uh, they'll win. And that'll be the end of the movie. Like, there's nothing in it that is even remotely interesting or, like, a twist. And it's so dumb because, like, that guy knows that the symbiotes kill everybody they connect to. But then when that one joins with him, he's like, I'm sure I'm fine. I'm sure I'm in good shape. But only watch 20 people die with these things attached to him. I think I yeah. got this one. He's a scientist. And we see him, the entire. we see through the entire movie that a symbiote um, manages to escape a crashed ship and uh starts body hopping from person to person and flying which i want to know a lot about i want to know a lot about how uh this like the symbiote flew uh, like to the united states from body to body i'm, I'm very curious well, but the thing i'm it, also what... interested in is why is it when it joins drake drake is still drake and he can talk to it and still do things on his own when it's in everybody else they lose all sense of who they are they're just controlled by the symbiote. Right. You know what I mean? Because like, he appears to be following along. We see when Brock gets attached to it, he can talk, he can do things that the thing doesn't want him to. They're having like an inner dialogue. So when he got in that little girl, did he explain to her just to sit quietly for the entire plane ride from China to the United States or wherever they were coming from? It's like yeah, he a definitely, really long flight. He definitely like takes complete control. But then we see him move from, you know, and maybe that's something to do with, you know, I don't know Venom versus the Riot character or whatever, but um, he, he 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 turns into this little girl, and then he just appears in in the uh, in the in, in the deepest, most secure like like chambers of this ultra yes. secret lab. A child walks away from an airport. No one stops her. The mother isn't instantly who is getting into a car to leave. Isn't instantly like, oh my god, what happened to my daughter? And they didn't lock down the airport to find her. She somehow walks all the way into the city. And as you know about most airports, they're not in a city for obvious reasons. They're usually on the outskirts. She walks all the way in and gets into a securely locked lab. We saw you have to have a key card to enter. Yeah, Eddie Brock, the investigative journalist, had to use a, an existing employee who, who, who left, left a trail a mile wide to get him in. Yeah, and it's... then she shows up, and then the man who owns the facility sees a random girl, and it's just like, what you doing here? Yeah, how'd you get in here? You lost? Lost from where? The tour seven days ago? Also, I feel like if you're the symbiote, you know you're killing whoever you're infesting. Why would you pick a kid, man? They, they, like, they would die so much quicker than a full-size adult. The symbiote's really dumb. 
Yeah, uh, that, that reminds me of another small scene that was really weird. Like, when we just get introduced to Drake, the main villain, uh, we can tell that he's this eccentric scientist who thinks he can change the world. And we all know he's secretly evil, but at the very front, he's just, uh, you know, posturing. And he's leading a, a, tr- a tour group around of children from an elementary school, I assume, and showing them something cool in his lab. And one of them goes, can I ask a question? And someone says, no, don't. And he's like... He goes into a five-minute-long speech about asking questions, but the problem is, is this this girl did not ask a question. Yeah, she never gets that, to ask her question. And that question may have been, "Where's the bathroom?" Like, I don't, like there's no idea. Yeah, she doesn't like, say, don't like, let them silence you. It's like, what? What is happening? She doesn't. She doesn't raise her hand and be like, "Is it ethical to like you know <laughs> experiment yeah. on people? Is it dangerous to people in a space? Like, why are we trying to explore space?" She doesn't ask anything that questions this guy's reality. She doesn't she also, say anything. Yeah, interesting. Never even gets to ask a question. And also, she's like eight, and he's like, "Don't there there are people who try to silence you." It's like you're talking to a child. She has no idea what you're talking about. Like you're, also, you're laying I out any the- ideas you went to a high schooler. Also, the, the 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 person I think they asked her to not ask the question may have been a chaperone, and so I imagine after he walked away, uh, the chaperone was just like, "What the fuck? I'm just—it's my job. <laughs> it's my job yeah. to keep the kids in line a little bit while we're here at this dangerous facility." <laughs> but then, don't worry—he has a what appears to be a leading like gene therapist doctor who's helped cure cancer show up to tell him that he needs to get changed for his interview, which I think he just puts on a different sports coat. I was like, yeah. wait, he doesn't have a personal assistant? He's making a full-fledged doctor come and ask him uh, to go get dressed? And then we get sort of uh, exposure to his ideas of how one might, like, perform tests on these various, uh, like, symbiote creatures, which apparently, I don't think this man is qualified to run his scientific laboratory no. because because he's just, like, putting random people in glass containers and has some sort of vague assumption that they won't break out, even though we learned that the spaceship crashes at the beginning because uh, one of these things got out of its containment yeah, That's the thing that gets me, is we're shown throughout the movie that when the symbionts are inside a person's body, they can turn into these big monsters who, like, can't be stopped. So why aren't they instantly trying to break out and eat these people because they know they need to eat somebody to stay alive? So why don't they instantly break out of the glass and just start eating the employees? Because, like, they seem a- game to... Like, they don't seem to need to eat, ever. Until they let them out, and then they die from being in oxygen for some reason. And yeah. that seems to be the only thing that kills them, because they were on a Again, rock by themselves, right? So these, there was nothing these, there on the rock for them to eat. These parameters matter, because that sets forth the 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 action that we see. When we know limitations and weaknesses and whatnot, then we can... The fights and everything can be couched in that, and that that's interesting. Um... And so when it's all just a gray mess of narrative thread, this is what we end up with. And it's pretty frustrating. Yeah. So I have to ask a question, folks. Um, We see some time spent with, uh, I don't think his names are really said out loud, come to think of it. But he's just sort of the the bald guy that uh, uh, Treese, I think his name is, Security Chief Treese. Yeah, yeah. He sort of is like the vague, you know, Bond hench, vil, henchman who uh, who is like trying to catch Eddie. Um, what is his deal? Is is something I need to know more about because you know these these movies often have a sort of character that is either like like religiously cult like um, um, indebted to the person that they're taking orders from, or they're just sort of like a loose psychopath. Like you know, in uh, what is that movie with um, uh, uh, like like uh, Elysium, right? There's like like the main villain that is this henchman that's just sort of like a mercenary who just like loves killing, and so you get like a taste of him in the beginning. He just like he just loves this and he loves the sport of it. So he's chasing the main guy despite the risk of it because that is you know something that excites him, I guess. And we saw this in like The Incredible Hulk where the, I can't remember his name, but that one guy wants to get injected with, like, the Hulk gene so he can also go against him because he's like, I'm coming down in my years as a mercenary and yeah. I want to, like, you know, evolve. Um, these characters are all given that. But this guy appears to just literally be a salaried employee who is throwing himself at an alien <laughs> for a bonus? 
I don't know. Why is he committed to this? Why when the first time he took five guys to get Eddie Brock and an alien came out and kill all of his men, he's not like, fuck this. There are so many easier jobs out there. I know. It is, yeah, it's very confusing. And then when you also bring up uh, what we're talking about him is we should probably go into the uh, fight scenes in this movie. Yeah, where we should where they like show off Venom, and so you're like, oh, all right, what do I know about Venom? All right, Venom has like Spider Man's powers. He can climb on walls. He has webbing, uh, and he, you know he's a monster. Well, they get rid of that because I guess since they didn't have Spider Man, they I don't know why you think they would be like, well, we need to still tie this into Spider Man, like give him webbing. That's a good point. Real quick here, get ready for a Venom that never once swings, nope. never once shoots anything web-like and only once climbs a thing <laughs> yeah and when he climbs he climbs like a like a rampage rampage monster like he's destroying the building he's climbing up he's not like climbing up it like his hands stick to it he's punching through windows and concrete to get to the top of that news building so it's like he's not spider-man-y at all so that's weird and then your our first real introduction to him is stuff just shoots off of brock and keeps beating people up he finally turns into Venom during a like a really lengthy car chase. Which during the car chase, I just I could not believe that this is what they came up with. Somebody was like, "We're making a Venom movie." Well, all right, well, we're, there's gonna be like a six minute long car chase, right? Because who gives a fuck? Why would I? What is interesting about watching a person with superpowers in a car chase? Unless it's like the one in Black Panther where he's like jumping from car to car and stuff like that. This is literally just a really shitty car chase with a guy who is just failing at yeah. riding a motorcycle. Do you know that scene from, I can't remember, one of the Batmans where he's driving the Batmobile and the Batmobile uh, is going really for the th- like super fast and he needs to round a corner so he shoots like a grappling hook and it takes him around the corner, mm-hmm. you know you know what I mean? Yeah. There's just like four of those moments in a, in a 10 minute long car chase. He's on the motorcycle. It's Eddie Brock's being like, I don't like going fast because I don't appear to be good or comfortable doing anything. And then the symbiote's like, uh, I guess I'll use my my vague tentacles to go around this corner fast or go through these cars effectively. All right. Have I done one of each type of thing? Okay. End chase. <laughs> and again, whole chase, pitch black. Pitch yeah, black night. And it's really just like a guy on a motorcycle just out racing cars that occasionally get close and venom blows them up and then he gets caught and then he bites a guy's head off when he turns into yep. the full venom and i i gotta say did you think venom looked good like as a cgi effect i mean it wasn't like a, it wasn't a disaster it wasn't like when we saw spawn and we couldn't figure out how this got made yeah but it was never really engaging it's just this really greasy hulk thing yeah and then like in the final fight scene where it's riot versus venom they're identical yeah and it just becomes like pushing like two things of silly putty together and then like pulling them apart like it's just like a lot of like gooey stuff and it it was just so boring to watch i checked out during most of the final fight scene including the scenes where like they come out of the suits and are punching each other it's like who thought this was like cool who was like you know what would be cool is if during a venom fight the two people inside started fighting why no one gives a shit about two regular people and, and, it, and it leads to the other problem, which is that, you know, there's something about action that has, like, a respect for, like, the physics and whatnot. Like, not that I mean, like, the, the characters can't defy physics, but that you see them have, like, weight. Like, when they collide with stuff, it feels like there's momentum and weight. And when they turn, you know, all that stuff is, is attributed for. Because when you see that, it, it brings it in reality and brings all the danger of, like, leaping over large obstacles or cliffs, falling off of things. It kind of brings that um that tension up but when the characters just seem to sort of like drift from like wall to ceiling to floor as if it's all just like one consistent sticky surface and they're all just sort of like floating through zero g like you lose all trace of tension or suspense or concern you're just watching like you said two two sticky monsters slap into each other uh in some void and then at some point one of them uses their knife part better than the other one and you're like cool you know you don't get a moment where one of them like creates an a a a a, a eddie brock decoy 
you know, like yeah. forms part of its form into like what looks like Eddie Brock out of his suit. And so the other one's like, gotcha, and jumps on it and goes, oh no, it's just ink. You know, it's, I'm actually over here and I've tricked you into this, you know, science gadget. No, none of that. There's no moment like that. They just sort of twist in the air with knife hands and vaguely cut at each other. And then, like you said, have like a, an out of, out of like a symbiote brief fist fight, which is pointless because again, it's just a scientist and a journalist. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, you're like, well, I'm sure neither, I mean, maybe Brock's got more on him because Tom Hardy just looks like he works out. But it's like, okay, it's two dudes just punching each other. It's like the least interesting kind of fighting is just two people punching each other in the face and not and not it not having any effect because it's a movie. Like, that's the most boring fight scene you can write. And, and, then, and then all of it is couched in this vague idea that um, symbiotes can completely and effortlessly heal the person that they're they're mm-hmm. they're associated with so like when brock gets like stabbed in the chest because he thinks he he's foiled the scientist at no point you're like end of movie or yeah. boy i hope this happens yeah like, you're just like man this symbiote's really slow and pick and like getting to him yeah he's on, he's on his way over probably and he's just gonna fix him permanently Damn. good <laughs> it was yeah it was just really boring and you know then, what? It, you know what? It, and like I the whole thing, it. you were just like, "Well, it's a rocket. He's either gonna push him underneath of it when it takes off to kill him, or he's gonna, which you know, little dicey to challenger the spaceship there at the end by blowing up the fuel tank." And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> "I was like, ah, oh, come on, guys!" But I was like, "You knew it was gonna happen. There was no exciting moment. You were just waiting." I was like, "Well, he's either gonna kick him under it, or he's gonna get inside of it, and he's gonna blow up the space shuttle because it's sitting on like, you know, thousands of gallons worth of jet fuel, which would just explode." So I was like, well, this is not interesting. I know he's just going to win, and now I'm just watching a really boring fight scene waiting for the climax that I don't give a shit about because I already know what's going to happen. I also love that that guy somehow preps a a spaceship to take off in what appeared to be five minutes. I couldn't get over that. I want to take a space shuttle off. Get it ready. Skip diagnostics. Not really how spaceships work, guys. You can't just skip a diagnostic. Not to mention that you don't just have one on the launch pad yeah, at all times. Yeah, you don't just leave it sitting there full of fuel. It's not like your car. Like, he parked it, and he was like, we'll take that out later. It's like, there's a lot because of stuff he, you have to he, do. He, he comes into the, uh, you know, the NASA center that they have there at their corporation, and he comes in and he demands, prep the shittle, I'm going to take it up. And then one of the guys like, you can't, this, A, you're not an astronaut, yes. B, you're just the CEO, C, it takes more than one person to run it. He says... I'm not alone. And the other guy would have been like, cool. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, do you know how many times they've tried to launch a rocket and they have to stop because it's like, there's too many clouds or the temperature's not right? Yeah. You can't just pick to launch one because, in, like, to skip the diagnostics, a, a rocket is, if any little thing goes wrong, it, it is attached to a gigantic explosive device, which is on fire. Like it's you can never take the chance of just being like I'll be fine I'll be fine it's so imagine, crazy. Imagine the head of NASA just strolling in on like a loose late Friday and being like, "Hey, I'm gonna take the shuttle up. Can you go ahead and get me in there? Just go ahead and like launch it in like ten minutes. I'll just go up my, my myself. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about my my destination or trajectory. I'll just kind of take it where it, where it feels good." Uh, sir, that's insane, impossible, and also wrong, and also you're alone. I'm not alone. That doesn't mean anything, sir. Yeah, and then he that, destroys... That's nonsense. Then he, like, then he turns into Venom, or Riot, and he, like, destroys all the computers. I'm Sorry. Like, you you need those. A lot of a space launch is controlled from the ground. You can't... More... Like, there's so many parts to the space launch controlled by people in a room. Like, the thing that's, old, that's attached to the space shuttle, that's not going to move away on its own. And you forgot an important moment, which is that evil villain guy is standing there being like, yeah, launch my rocket ship. I'm in charge. You have to do it. And as he's standing there, his eyes flitter and he turns around and catches someone putting an abort sequence in. Why? What about the Venom character or the symbiote had some sort of abort sequence radar? The guy was behind him typing on a computer, which is what everyone is doing in the room. Yes, but remember (laughs) earlier when Venom first gets in Brock, he says, don't answer the door. And for like one moment, he has like precog ability, like he's in Minority Report. Yeah. But then never exerts it again for the rest of the movie. And then you see Riot do the same thing. I'm like, 
do they each get like one deus ex machina moment where they could be like this is what's gonna happen and only riot followed through on it i guess it felt like what happened is they did that and then like well we and they realized boy we can't let that be the case because if the symbiote is unstoppable totally lethal and also knows all the stuff that's happening around him then the main character can't be surprised at any point he can't die so maybe we should make him stupid and make his powers and weaknesses vague and inconsistent i also did love during that scene where he's like skip the diagnostic and they're like the ship will take off in five minutes and he's like so far away from it and nobody there is like um don't you need to be in the space shuttle like the room appears to control it taking off but this dude's in the room with them, and it's so far away, and nobody's like, uh, you only got five minutes to get all the way across the runway, take the slow elevator up, get into a spacesuit. You need to be in a spacesuit in case something goes wrong. It's so dumb. Yeah, and you need to, like, you need to like uh, I assume, make lots of different sort of checks and updates to, like, the systems in there, because we just crashed our last rocket. This rocket presumably hasn't gone off yet. Yes, yes so it's, it's an untested <laughs> rocket. The other one blew up. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it, remind me, did you did you see anything in here that referenced, like, any of... I, I know this doesn't officially exist in the Marvel, like, the existing Marvel f- film universe. Were there any reference? I think they said glo- the, the, the Daily Globe at one point. They did say the Daily Globe, which I thought was weird. Uh, but they also said... There was one connection, which this is what got me, because right at the beginning of the movie, there's a connection. The space shuttle lands, and they said, there's still an astronaut alive. And somebody goes, it's Jameson. And if you've read Spider-Man, Jameson's son is an astronaut who goes to the moon and gets a rock that turns him into a werewolf. As, you know, that happened to Neil Armstrong. So I had a note that I was just like, Man, Jameson's son can't catch a break in these movies. Real quick. Before he's going to marry Mary Jane and she dumps him, now he just gets killed in the first three minutes. But so I was like, oh. Because when I remember when this movie came out, they talked about, they were like, we want to try to get, we want to try to use Tom Holland's Spider-Man in a sequel in which Venom and Spider-Man fight. And I was like, oh, that's weird. How could you do that? But then, so I'm watching, I'm like, well, this movie must take place in, in a universe they're trying to say exist in which Spider-Man exists. Because they own Spider-Man. They own the rights. You know what I mean? Marvel just pays to use them. So they could have put Spider-Man in this movie. And they really I don't think there was anything in the deal that Disney and Sony made that said they couldn't use Spider-Man at all. So why not just make Venom have spider powers? Like, why not have it be, like, references to a, a Spider-Man existing? And then just be like, oh, that's interesting. You know, there's... There's a Spider-Man in this universe. Maybe it's not Tom Holland, but like, and so Venom emulates him because he sees like a video or whatever, like something. But this movie is set up in a way in which you're like, I don't know. I, you make one reference to a Spider-Man character, sort of, and then I, you know, I, I don't know if Drake is a character from the comics. I don't know really anything about that, so I wasn't sure. Um, and by the way, Pokes, uh, what you described earlier, son of a major news mogul that is also astronaut, goes to space and comes back a were- werewolf because of a moon rock. Better movie. Yeah. Better better movie, by the way. <laughs> Would prefer that one. Yeah, so many. I, I, there's just like so many things they could have done in this one to make it more interesting than just the generic, oh, there's two symbiotes and they're fighting. Because like they're sort of jumping into late game Venom. Because, like, the idea that there's more than one of him doesn't appear until, like, the late late 90s when they do Carnage and stuff. Which, if I remember right, that's actually a piece of Venom that gets left behind and somehow turns into its own full-size symbiote and creates Carnage. But, you know, there's, like, later on there's this whole thing where there's a planet and there's a thing called the Symbiote Wars and there's all this, like, really dumb stuff with Venom. So... I, I don't know, like, they jump right to that, where there's, like, a whole bunch of them, and you understand where they are. And then, like, they're... Did you watch the after credit scenes? Uh, there is the... the, the I, I watched just the one scene. Oh, there was two. Which, which was, uh... No! Which was of him meeting Carnage. Yes, which uh, is such a, like... The worst thing I've ever seen. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. And, and it's sort of, like, ending, uh... The movie, like the first captain america being like by the way we're gonna bring in thanos because like carnage is like the especially 
well known. He's like the Venom villain. But not provide us with an interesting insert that then leads to that. Because like, say like um, when, when you're, you're hinted at the Scorpion at the end of Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. The, the, the Vulture character's in prison. He runs into one of the guys from the, um, you know, from, from the weapon exchange who also got caught, who has a scorpion tattoo. And he's like, I'm mad about Spider-Man. Aren't you mad about Spider-Man? Let's do something about this. And you're like, oh, that all, that ties back to the movie. That's a character we saw before. There's something, and, something and, happening. And it's, and it's a hint to a later film because you're like, oh, the idea is, the idea maybe they're hinting at doing a version of the Sinister Six. Sure, yeah, exactly. This movie, so you know that it just, can't be the next movie because you're like, well, they got to introduce at least two more of them. So there's this four movie, established villains, so they can introduce just the last two in the Sinister Six movie. This movie meanders through an hour and fifty minutes, and then says, "Oh, by the way, here's Woody Harrelson." And if you don't get it, he has a very bad wig, oh my and God. also he looks like he's wearing like a Ronald McDonald wig. <laughs> Yes, it does. And also, two cool things about him. He's writing the word carnage on the wall, and also he says carnage. Isn't that neat? <laughs> and he's writing it in what appears to be his own blood, and he's in like a uh, like a Suicide Squad Harley Quinn, like yeah. a cage in the middle of a room. Like, I don't think we keep any prisoner anywhere in the world like that. Like, I, even they're just putting a maximum security, like a, a room that can't be opened. They don't just also, lock you in a cage where they can see you. If he if he already has the symbiote in him, which I don't know if he does. Don't think so. Which makes it even more pointless. Yeah, then is he just like a mean guy they put in a in a cage? Well, he's a serial make killer. Sense. Which is right. I know, story. but it doesn't make sense that why he's in this weird cage. Yeah, but but it's it's such the cheesiest scene I've ever seen. It would be like if there was the first Batman movie. And the main villain was, you know, not the joke. It was like the Riddler, right? And then at the end of the movie where the Riddler had been the villain the whole time, Batman walks into a jail cell to find a guy who looks like a weird clown, like not a fun, cool Joker character, but like a weird, ugly clown. That guy turns around. He's written the word Joker on the wall. And he goes, hey, it's me. I like joking around. Like it's... It's it's so odd. That's the lamest what's, dialogue that you could conceive And what's of. crazy is... Is he's not answering a question when he says it. He's talking to him, and he's like, "All right, yeah, let's let's talk." And he's like, "Oh, when I get out of here, and I will." It's like, wait, what? This wasn't what we were talking about. This isn't like a, a thread of a conversation. They just wanted him to end saying there will be carnage, and nobody thought to have Eddie Brock ask a question before that that would allow. He basically just stopped saying what he's saying to go into a pre-written like thing, and I was like, "Oh, this is really lazy." Like they just were like, we only have thirty seconds, and you have to say carnage at some point. And the writer was like, I got nothing. But I'll tell you the the greatest thing is there's another post credit scene, Ben. That's like three and a half, four minutes long, and it is just clips from Into the Spider Verse, not connected to anything. It's just one and a half scenes from Into the Spider Verse, not shown in order. <laughs> I was like, what a weird like post credit scene because it's inside the credits so it's not even like at the end where they were like we'll just throw a trailer for that other movie we made they act as if it's part of the story it was so weird but i was like well it did remind me of how much i loved into the spider-verse i i don't know why they would it's i, I i'm stunned I, I i don't know how you can fuck up the post credits because it's a pretty it's a pretty simple concept you know what i mean mm -hmm. like you just you just the movie's over you show the character just sort of doing or or, or or meeting it some some connection to a different character that people are expecting which is what they try to do with carnage but then like you couldn't write interesting dialogue you couldn't like have him come in and being told about the like the, the you know uh this guy's like horrible uh activities no it just <laughs> it just it just terminates with the guy saying his own name twice <laughs> Yeah, it, I mean, like, so if they were going to... It's also, like, if you're going to introduce him that way, and it's going to be so on the nodes, have it be, like, there's a small piece of riot, like, floats down onto the, like, you know, the prison and, like, climbs through an air vent and attaches to him. Or something, you know I mean? Just set it straight up, then, if you're going to this much effort. Or have it be, like, show that Eddie Brock's, like, uh, doing a thing where he's, like, with a police unit, an FBI unit that's tracked this guy down, and they break in, and he's, like, a serial killer. And all over his walls, he's written, you know, like... I am carnage, you know, and he's like covered in blood when they break in and he's just like, oops, or whatever. And they arrest him and he just smiles at Brock when he walks by. 
that would be better. You know what I mean? Because then you'd be like at least covered in blood, so you kind of look like Carnage. And that could be like something interesting. But instead, it's just, here's this guy. He's in jail. He's Carnage. You guys remember Carnage? <laughs> if not, ask your, ask your friend who knows about comic books. He'll tell you about Carnage. Was go, ahead and check, go ahead and check the wiki. Uh, it'll yeah. be really exciting for you, I promise. You'll be real thrilled to see the next movie. So, to harken back to the mini-episode, Pokes, I said that uh, I thought that this movie might actually be up my alley because Tom Hardy is doing some wackadoo shit and that there would be, you know, sort of like a, a, a Nick cage kind of thing that I was hoping on where, you know, where, like... You think of one of Nick Cage's more wilder movies where the plot is thin as hell, but Nicolas Cage is just, like, going off the fucking rails and doing a weird accent, and that's enough to just take you right through. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was hoping for something like that. Just the most eccentric performance I could possibly imagine, and I got not even an eighth of that. And just just a weird middling plot and a bunch of dark, greasy fight scenes. And so, uh, as you can tell, what I'm leading up to here is that, Pogues, I would absolutely not recommend anyone waste their time with this movie and that's coming from me the optimist <laughs> that that's rough yeah i would also say not watch it in the beginning there's actually a series in my notes where i'm like oh his voice isn't that bad it must have just been in the trailer because at the beginning of the movie he just sounds kind of normal it's it's clearly a, a person who's not american doing an american accent sure then i'm watching it and as it goes on i'm like okay his voice is getting kind of annoying by the end of the movie i was like I thought this whole movie must have been the beginning must have been reshot because this is an entirely different voice he's doing at the end and it's really fucking annoying. He's doing like a weird like kid thing where he's when he's talking to Venom, it's really dumb. So no, I, I would not recommend watching this. Um, it's just really sloppy. And I we didn't bring this up, but this is one of my favorite scenes and I, I had to <laughs> Brock gets picked up by his ex girlfriend who sees him as Venom. Her reaction is not that worried. She's like, we got to go to the hospital. They're in the car together. And Venom proceeds to just start telling her and Brock all of his weaknesses. He's like, oh, uh, noise above this frequency can kill me. So he tells her. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And fire. Fire can kill me. Okay, cool. Why yeah, would he tell it, them it, his weaknesses? Yeah, he's like, the noise thing, you've seen that a little bit. You already, you know, Eddie Brock already saw this one, and supposedly he's a smart man, so he could probably figure it out. He doesn't. No. Uh, but also, just in case you were worried, it's fire. Uh, also, uh, also garlic, weirdly. I know it's like kind of a vampire thing, but uh, that it comes scene, up every now and then. I just put down, I was like, why is he telling them oh, all of his... Uh, it'd be like if Superman showed up and was just like, Lex Luthor, hi, I'm I, Kryptonite can kill me yeah also uh the color yellow i i, I can't go near that magic. or else my power is drained man. I, I can never yeah. go to the magic castle yeah uh, yeah i i'm weak to to magic weapons so that's a concern and <laughs> also yeah. people also, think i shoot people with guns also close-up magic also guns actually weirdly i know it seems like i'm pretty invincible but nope guns guns are a also, real problem there is one other most thing. Most human weaknesses, actually, come to think yeah, of it. Yeah, actually, all human weaknesses. There was just two more things that I wanted to bring up real quick before we end this. Is Before that scene, before when she shows up and he's Venom, he's getting ready to eat this cop. And he's like, no, we don't eat cops. And it's like, you just killed all of those people. You took one cop and like used him like a bat to beat other cops. Those people are all either dead or paralyzed for life. Like You've just maimed and killed a group of police officers who are responding to a break-in. I like you were an you were super evil in this movie. You're not a likable character, and I also love that when Brock asks who he is, he's like, "Well, I'm Venom." Like, wait, you all have like fucking '90s comic book villain names, and they're in English, even though you're aliens. Is there yeah, like, a... or you guys just happen to have like a language equivalent where you're like, "Well, in my language, it's something else," but in yours, it would basically be Venom. This is my friend Riot. Yeah, Riot. Riot is another established one. And that's horseshit because everyone always, always like, yeah, my last name means like this in German. And they're always wrong. And it's never cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no yeah. One, it's like, no my one's last like, name means butcher. It's not really that exciting. <laughs> yeah, my, my last name means annihilator of worlds. <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> Chapman? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it means... it's so great. Like, it would just be like as if each, in, like, each group of them like has a name that happens to mean something bad in English. Like the same, like, because... They were on an asteroid. Did they have riots? Yeah, like one like, of them just a very like, hey, specific what... English word. 
Hey, what does my symbiote name translate as? Oh, it's just Coaster. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, man. Like, that's what it <laughs> yours, would be. Yours wasn't cool, apparently. Oh, your your name happens to be Bedlam, which is a word that could only exist in English on Earth because it's based on a hospital. But I don't know how you got it. I don't know. I'm Venom, that thing that comes from snakes on this asteroid. Oh, there's no snakes on this asteroid? I don't know how I got hey, this name. Did anyone else notice that we all have names that in English sound like they could definitely be in an energy drink? Yeah. Or like the name of a not great metal album. (laughs) Which is all of them. Uh, All right. Well, that's uh, all I really want to talk about with this bad movie. This bad movie that we watched uh, once again, Pokes. Can we do a good one next time? Please? I beg of you. Well, I mean, is there any good ones left? No, there isn't. Yeah, we'll have to find one. All right, well, I think that's it for this week. Come back next week for whatever else we find. Maybe maybe we'll luck out and, and watch something good for you guys. But probably not. 